Hey, what's happening, good people? This is your boy, Marvin Shaw, host of The Beard Always Wins. Yes, The Beard Always Wins, movement, lifestyle, more importantly, the podcast people. We're so grateful and thankful that you all are listening, too. And with that being said, once again, we got friends at the the cast. We got Deron. Uh, He's back from hiatus, you know. um, And we also got the only SEC All-American to ever grace this show. The man, the myth, the legend, Mo Lane. He's back. And uh, listen, so for everybody who's asking me, hey, where's Ryan? Where's Ryan? Ryan is coaching fourth grade basketball. He's He's been a great dad that he is, and he's out there coaching fourth grade basketball. Um, so, you know, we wish him the best of luck. As soon as he can, uh, he'll come back on. Um, but with that being said, let's just kind of get into it. I want to give one shout out before we kind of roll into it, um, because I feel like uh, the kid has been a victim of COVID, the transfer portal, and et cetera. Uh, Chase Belcher signed today with Northern Arizona University. Um, FCS, I think they play in the same conference as one of those Dakotas. Um, and I know they play Sam Houston. They actually beat Arizona. So uh, I guess I'm getting me some lumberjack gear. Go Vikings. Uh, also, shout out to uh, Chris Thomas. Uh, Dominique Marshall, uh, Thomas signed to Tennessee Tech. Marshall signed to, um, uh, is it Lynn Wren? Lynn Albany R- State. What, what is no, it? No, 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 my bad. No, I thought he was the one that signed to Albany State. No, that was Tyler, Be- Tyler Belcher. He signed to Albany State. Um, but it's yeah. Ryanhorn or something like that. It's, uh, Le- Lenore. That's it. Lenore Ryan. So, uh, shout out to those Vikings, you know, uh, go Vikings and, uh, everybody else who, uh, from, from Lyons County and Valdosta that sign. Uh, it's a great day. So, Mo, uh, just tell me, uh, you remember your sign today? Yeah, I do, man. I remember it. Um, it was, it, you know, at the, at the old gym. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like back then, signing day was, for me, signing day was more of an event because it, we didn't have social media and all of the hoopla, you know, around it. So it was more of a in-person event now signing day is a uh, it's a social it's like a a social movement it's not even the, the, the in-person event as much um but i look forward to it man and it was it was it always be something i remember i just put it like that um but you know me cj and uh who else we had uh brandon. i think taylor brandon uh, yeah 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 like uh, brandon yep 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 it was, but it was a good 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 memory man yeah i think at the time it was the largest Signing class that Lions ever had at the time. Really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's news to me. Yeah, yeah. Not, it's, not it's, to salute to all of those kids, though, man. Because like that's the like you don't realize it when you're that young, but that's a huge deal being able to sign a scholarship. Not just financially, because obviously you know those kids are gonna have their college paid for, but just as as far for me, I can speak for myself as far as the exposure, you know. Leaving Valdosta and going to a different place, and you know, starting your life on your own, being exposed to different different types of people with different mindsets and everything, like it's it's a big step. So kudos to those guys. Gotcha. All right. So listen. Not, um, not to, oh, go ahead. Hold on. Not to put you out there. Not to put you out there, Mo. But uh, uh, we gonna show our age. Uh, how many times did the paper jam in the fax machine? <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was, now that, that was back in the day when that used to happen, but it was smooth sailing for me. It was good. 
That's what's up, man. Gotcha, gotcha. So, um, Deron, who is our resident lawyer, um, Brian Flores has filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL for racial, um, is it, I don't know, was it discrimination or uh, bias or um, basically. Racial discrimination. Yeah, racial discrimination. Pretty much accusing the NFL, um, a couple other teams of, Pretty much just having the Rooney Rule just to check the box. Now, for me, I kind of figured that. But um, I want to ask this one question. I also want to throw a stat out there to kind of let you guys ponder on it. Um, so the question is, who's surprised? And the stat is, over the last 20 years, since 2001, there have been 19 black head coaches to fill 25 vacancies in the NFL. Um, and one of those coaches was Art Shell, who came back to the Raiders for another year. So from what I looked at when I looked at these teams and kind of remember that, only Mike Tomlin, um, Marvin Jones, Tony Dungy um, were at these places for more than uh, four years. Um, that's the disturbing part to me. Like when they don't get they get an opportunity, but they're so far behind the the eight ball. It's just, you know, almost impossible. And then once it starts turning around and they fire them, and all you got to do is look at Tampa, you know, what happened down there at Tampa Bay. Dungey gets them, builds the team, they fire him, and then they bring in Gruden, and they won the Super Bowl. So, uh, Deron, I want to know um, how you think the case is going to be. Uh, do you think it'll, how you think it'll play out, and um, just your thoughts on it? Uh, for one, um, he's gonna have a hell of a time trying to make a case. It is hard to unless unless you have like some John Gruden email type stuff. It's gonna be difficult to prove racism. So that's why he's gonna need the assistance of other brothers who have been shafted by the system and the hiring practices to come along. The problem is. Like when me and you were talking, I was like, he's guaranteed to get Jim Caldwell, and I forget who the third guy we said that was gonna be. That would probably jump up for Hugh Jackson. Uh, maybe David Cullet and Hugh Jackson, because Hugh Jackson letting bums go today. So those three are without a given. The thing that's gonna add meat to his case is Eric Bieniemy, Leslie Frazier, um, Byron Leftwich, any black coordinators. I think. Uh, I think Robert Griffin III was talking about it today when uh, they fired uh, Shanahan. They had Dan Snyder. This is how fraudulent a system it is. He actually had, I want to say, dude was like a video coordinator. He wasn't on the staff, but he was like a video coordinator. And he interviewed this guy just to get past the Rooney rule. So good luck to him because it's going to take a lot. And of course, you're going to have I hate to say it because, I mean, he, but he he's the good Negro that the NFL always goes to. They're, Tony Dungy going to come out and say something, and it's not going to be what black folks want to hear because he's going to make it seem like it's all good. But um, before I passed off the moat, yo, so I don't know if y'all heard, uh, listen to Dan Levitar's show podcast, so he had Bo Money Jones on. Bo Money Jones made a fantastic point. that the first part of the Lions Foundation is supposed to be here to assist black coaches to get hired. Where are they when these black coaches are getting fired like uh, the Wills guy from Arizona? He only got a year. 
David Culley got a year. They are the gatekeepers. The NFL needs black coaches. The funny thing, the one good thing he said, and it was kind of funny when he said it, he was like, if the Prince Paul Alliance is supposed to be helping the NFL finding dudes to uh, be coaches, you're like, what the hell you need the Prince Paul Alliance for? NFL know these coaches too. So what's the point of the Prince Paul Alliance if you're not going to let these dudes, if you're going to get this list of, it's like, you put a black person up to be the middleman, to be the gatekeeper, to be like, no, you don't want this guy. This is the one you want right here on some 10% type stuff. So, it's a the NFL. I haven't sat down and watched an NFL game in over a decade. I might watch a half. I might watch a quarter, but sit down and watch a full game, like none. Nah, like I'm through with the NFL. When pff, hell, who was um? It was uh, oh man, I can't remember. Uh, basically, when they when I found out about the whole Shanahan thing and the fraudulent like interviews. So I don't know, man. Like, will something change? No, because what rich people do when a problem come up, they throw money at it. And they're going to try to throw a price tag. They're going to try to throw a number out at Brian Flores for this to go away. Just like when this John Gruden stuff go down, they're going to try to throw one. If they get it, if they get it to deposition, then that's when trouble going to start. Because now you're going to have to call some owners in. And they're going to have to give sworn testimony. And the last thing, I, the well, the most, th- the most, the biggest thing I want to see is Jerry Jones in front of, <laughs> In front of a camera and a lawyer under oath, perjuring himself to death because you know he ain't gonna be able to help. <laughs> All right, but what so, you yeah. got? Yeah, so um, he made all good points. Um, um, but th- this is the way I look at it: like the NFL owners is thirty-two teams. Uh, for the most part, those are those owners are all very wealthy, probably billionaires not black people, right? And what we got is a, a small group of people that are in charge of uh, hiring decisions that all probably look and think the same. So the problem that's happening in the NFL is not exclusive to the NFL, but it's just, my opinion, it's more egregious and borderline disrespectful and blatant because so many NFL employees are black. You know what I'm saying? So... I think it, it it's it's a it's a lot of racism. It's obvious racism, but it's also hidden between nepotism and you know guys looking out for their guy as opposed to just hiring the best candidate. Now, I also think the problem is it's kind of layered because you got the first step of interviewing black candidates, right? Which that was a fight just to get the Rooney Rule. And then you got the second step of actually hiring black candidates, like the guys you named, you know. And then you got the third step, which is retaining or firing black candidates. It's all jacked up. Like every step, every every step of the process is jacked up. So do I think Brian Flores is going to win uh, as far as his lawsuit is concerned? I do think he'll get a, a hefty settlement. That's what I think. And I also think he probably won't coach in the NFL anymore. Uh, so... Is that a win? I don't know. I think I think the real win is how many coaches jump on board. You know what I'm saying? Like how many coaches? Because he's sacrificing himself. Like Brian Flores is basically saying, I, I'm putting my career at risk for other black coaches because it could be you next time. And you know, you think about guys like Steve Wilkes. You think about. I mean, it's a long list of guys who got fired very quickly. And then you look at other guys white guys 
no disrespect to any of them because some of these guys do great jobs, but it's just, it's the opportunities keep presenting themselves. And I always use, um, you know, uh, Adam Gase or Josh McDaniels is, is kind of examples. I had anything against those guys personally, but I'm just saying it just seemed like they always have opportunities. And then you hear about Josh, well, who was it? Josh McCown <clears throat> getting interviewed. Yeah, he was a high school coach. He was a high school coach you, two years ago. You, yeah, you hear about all these stories, and that's not to say that he won't be a successful NFL coach. Like, I'm all for uh, anybody getting an opportunity. But I just think it's strange that it would you would never see a black coach high school coach get an opportunity to interview for an NFL job and you know I I don't know I just I think a win is if he gets a lot of coaches on board to join in with the lawsuit that's a win that's what I think I think it's a win can I chip uh, in real quick oh, go, ahead, go ahead I'll chip in after you Ma. Oh, I just, I was so, gonna... so like did that, so like with the thing that you said with um, like all the different coaches right so you 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 can be respectful to some of these white coaches. I choose not to be because look at look at, like like I told Mar earlier. Twenty nineteen, Brian Flores gets hired. Zach Taylor, Bruce Arians, uh, Matt Rule are all in this uh, all in this class. You can add up Zach Taylor's Super Bowl. Now he can say Super Bowl representing head coach. You can add up their record. You can add up Zach Taylor, Urban Meyer. Matt Rule and it was another coach. You can add up all of their records and they still are two games under the total number of games that Brian Flores won in his three years in Miami. Ah. So the goal so the goalpost always changes. So like you look at somebody like Zach Taylor, uh who's the coach out in San Diego? Um Staley. Uh, you can look yeah. at Staley out in San Diego. You know what that Staley was a defensive coordinator for one year. He took over a defense that Wade Phillips had. And the thing that got him hired is the same thing that gets Josh McDaniels hired. They stood next to the guy that made it to the Super Bowl. That's McVay, Belichick. As long as you're standing next to these guys, these guys think that you can win. And what is the the rules are bent are bent to a way where, hey, Mo, not Mo, but Mo, you want to be a head coach? All right, you got to start off as a scout. Then you work yourself from scout to video coordinator to maybe assistant position coach to position coach to coordinator and assistant head coach, and then you get up there. These dudes are skipping the line. The same thing, man, me, I, me and Mark talked about this earlier. Same thing happening in basketball. They have, they, have, they have rooted out players in order to, like, boost up these guys. Like, look at it in basketball. Like, all you got to do is just go to the Sloan Conference and be close to, like, Daryl Morey. <laughs> you can get a job. And somebody's in NBA front office or on that on that sideline, and I think it was Howard Bryant I was listening to. He was like, "Look at every NFL black NFL coach that's been in the last twenty years. They've all been players. You look at somebody like Jay Gruden. Jay Gruden never made it to the league. John Gruden never made it to the league. He stood next to Andy Reid for like three years, and Mike Holmgren. The only the only coach that I can say that's out there that's actually like." The first diversifying their sidelines, uh, Dan Campbell, you know, he's gonna bite your kneecaps off in Detroit, yeah. and Bruce Arians, he might be a cranky old man, but look at it, he got a black defensive coordinator and a black offensive coordinator. Yeah, I think his staff so, is uh, is, is black, but you know, white, white man in the Kango, you know, you got, you got, <laughs> yeah. hey, on the telephone, on the telephone, you wouldn't know the difference. Nope. <laughs> know the difference but no the goal but my thing is the goalposts always get moved because tell me i need to do a and b 
And then you throw a monkey wrench in there somewhere, and this dude that started off at A with me is now where I'm trying to get to, and now I'm calling him head coach, or I'm calling him boss. But that's that's just a microcosm of the society we live in. And 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 that's that's the point I was making too. Like it's it it's not exclusive to the NFL the way it's happening. Now is it fair? Should we, it, no, it's not. Should we change it? Yes, but it's not exclusive to the NFL, and that's why I'm I'm hesitant. I don't want to like uh, badmouth some of these coaches who got their opportunity just by standing next to somebody great or just because they were friends with somebody or they, you know, they, they got put on. I don't want to make it seem like they're going to be bad. I use Sean McVay, for example. Sean McVay is an excellent, it's his second Super Bowl in a couple of years. He's an excellent coach, right? With two different quarterbacks. Uh, but I think he was the offensive coordinator in Washington for two years. I want to say, uh, right. at the, the Washington football team for two years. There aren't very many black coaches and they're going to be go from you know position coach to offensive coordinator for two years and then head coach. You know what I'm saying? Bro, like, John, bro, John Harbaugh was a special teams coach before he got the Baltimore Ravens job. That's what they <laughs> on the guys. I think the Atlanta Falcons coach uh, Arthur Smith. I think that's his name. He was the offensive yeah, coordinator was- in Tennessee, but he was like a tight ends coach or something. You know, maybe two years prior, a year or two prior. My point is that fast track. I'm all for it because guys can do a good job. Look at Sean McVay. He's a prime example. Fast track him, get him up and running. Boom, he's got a head coaching job. He's successful. The problem is you'll never see that opportunity given to a uh, a, a black a black candidate. You just it won't happen. So I'm I'm not so much anti white uh, fast track as much as I am pro black fast track. And in my opinion, this be the last thing I say. The solution is threefold. You first, you got to come together as coaches. Like he needs more coaches to join the the, the lawsuit. Secondly, you got to explore options as black coaches of turning your back on the NFL. Now that sounds extreme because that's a, there's a lot of money in NFL, and some of the position coaches' jobs in the NFL are pay higher than coordinator jobs in college. Uh, but you got to be willing to, to to sacrifice to take your talents elsewhere. And then thirdly, my last point is. Those 32 non-black owners have a certain mindset. And nothing that you, you can sue them, you can, uh, you can shame them in public, you can do whatever you want to do. But at the end of the day, 32 billionaires are not going to change the way they think. They got enough money to make, make you go away as a problem. They're not going to change the way they think. And we can't ask them. We got to stop asking, in my opinion. You know, you got you to take some action and... We either get a black owner at some point or you got to consider taking your talents elsewhere. Well, um, I do believe Denver is for sale. Um, Now, who's in line to buy Robert Robert Smith, billionaire that paid off all of those uh, student loan debts at Morehouse. Yeah. He's going to get an opportunity because he says he wants an NFL franchise. Will he get it in Denver? Well, I just heard today. That he was interviewed and he said he was he was not bidding on the Denver Broncos. He he confirmed okay. it. He was not because uh, everybody was speculating, and he was like, "No, he might get a chance at the Miami Dolphins soon." Yeah, they're always for sale every couple of years. I think um, I don't know. Maybe Oprah buys the Denver Broncos. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Who <laughs> who knows? But um, just to uh, jump on what you said, um, like I think it's gonna come down to to ownership, and like you said, maybe leaving the NFL, um, and just, but where do you go? Do you go to Canada? Um, you going back to college? 
You going to the HBCUs? I mean, where where do you go? I mean, uh, those opportunities, even then, me and Deron were talking about that earlier, was like, you know, um, how, look at how many schools that have never had a black coach and probably won't have one in the in the near future. So we talk about Georgia's never had one. Um, Florida. Florida. Miami. Tennessee. Miami had... Miami had Miami. Uh, not Miami, but uh, Randy. Yeah, uh, who else? My, my whole thing with my whole thing with the going back, uh, going to uh, well, it's two things. One and damn, we look. It didn't feel like we talked for long on the phone, man. But a lot of conversation was had. But yeah, why does why does when the black coach in particular or the black player speak out against an injustice? Oh, their career is over. It's- I'll never understand that. It's crazy. But you know what? I had another thought. I'm sorry. You know who, who a coach who I didn't understand that got another opportunity, that got another opportunity? Eric Mangini. He was horrible in was it, the, with the Jets. I mean, horrible. Mm-hmm. He was horrible with the Jets. He's a better announcer than he is a coach or analyst, whatever. And then wherever he went, um, was it San Francisco or... Mm-mm. He got he got back in as like a coordinator. Uh, coordinator. He not going. Hey, he, he, he dumbed down job. Robert Kraft. So what? He dumbed down Robert Kraft. He might get another job. Nah, but not a head job. Nah, but at the same time, like these, you got some bad coaches that just get recycled. They just get recycled, recycled. And my whole thing is this: It's like if you're a black coach in, in the NFL, you better do it quickly. You, you, it's like it's like I was telling um, one of my employees. I said, "Listen, you know what you got to do, and you know what you're up against. So just do it, you know." And um, but, one- but how do, how do how do you do that? And I think um, I think this was a point Mo was, trying, was meaning to make with the Hugh Jackson thing. How are you supposed to make the most of an opportunity when you have a coach that's out here treating you like major league owners and saying, "Hey, I'll give you a hundred thousand per loss." I get that. So that thing, and. And the, and the crazy part about this is Stephen Ross was going to tell Brian Flores, I'll give you 100 k per loss. Mm-hmm. And he would have got the draft pick that he wanted. And uh, with that draft pick, it's going to at least take a, a year, maybe two, for things to like turn, like have an upward trajectory. And then once they start winning, he's going to fire them because he's not winning enough. Yep. I agree. I agree. But that's why I said you, you might want to pull a major league. Put the Beyonce up there in the bikini and start ripping it off for the wins. I don't know. But that's what it seems like you got to do. You got to win and you got to win quickly. Like Tom, Mike Tomlin, uh, he won, what, his second, third year in the league? Yeah, but look at the, situ- look at the situation that he better came situation. in. Like, like I t- better situation. Better like situation. 100% better. Like, like, I said, like I said when we were talking on the phone, none of, the, none of these owners believe in diversity until it's time to change the locker room culture. And get somebody that players can relate to, and then once that culture has been established, and you have your leaders within that locker room, okay, now it's time to go get "quote unquote" the white savior. Is how a Tony Dungeon gets replaced by a John Group. Like this thing, they're like it, it ain't rocket science. We we the, the data shows that this is so. I and I hundred percent agree with you. I hundred percent agree with you. It's just a, my point was just hey, if you're a black coach in the NFL, win and win fast. <laughs> That's that. Even though it's gonna be hard, because you like, for instance, if Byron Leftwich gets hired in Jacksonville, right? 
That team, that the, look at the roster. The, the roster is not where it needs to be. To win five games, let alone make the playoffs. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But it's going to be hard. And like you said, by the time he gets the ship right, they'll probably say he didn't win enough and let him go. Bro, as, as a former, I know I do this every week, but as a former or as a uh, a striking Florida State fan, th- to mention the to mention the words rebuild during Willie Taggart's uh, tenure was considered blasphemy down in Tallahassee. Now that you got this coach who has two seasons where he has a worse record than Willie Taggart had in 21 games, now we're here in rebuild and it's going to take a while to flip the roster and get the culture right. And you get an extension. Crazy. The fact he got extension baffles me. That that's what what baffles me. I guess you get a hey. I guess Kevin the eighth place. You get everybody gets a ribbon now, right? That's what it is. Bro, the, now, crazy, the, the now, craziest part back, is that. Armand, no, go ahead. You, you said if you're a black coach in the NFL, you got to win and win fast, right? And I, I don't really, I don't really know. Well, it depends on what you mean by winning. If you're talking about winning the Super Bowl, then yeah, okay, that, that'll keep you safe. But it, when you say you got to win, you can have a winning record. I mean, you can have a better record than your predecessor, than the coach that was there before you. Yeah, look at Jim Caldwell. They'll get let go. So I don't even know if winning is enough. Yeah, I don't know. This thing, this thing is come, this thing has come down to is no, is no different than. Then corporate America, they hire people who they look at and see themselves in as somebody they can have a beer with. So you was talking about nepotism, right? Look at the Denver Broncos hire. Nathaniel Hackett, former son of NFL coach Paul Hackett. The only reason this man got a job is because he stands on the sideline next to Aaron Rodgers. And the Broncos want to get Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. That's the only reason he got that job. That man's name has not rung in NFL head coaching hire circles the entire season. What's his name again? But not. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett. That's the second time I've ever heard that name. <laughs> <laughs> but but nobody bats an eye. When somebody like him gets hired, nobody bats an eye. Now, if that was a, a, a black coach that nobody had ever heard of, everybody he would be under a microscope talking about his qualifications and, you know, uh, him not being ready to, be, to lead a team like that. You know, so it, it's... Like you said, it's nepotism. It's the guy you want to hang out and have a beer with. It's it's two things. It's people who you like and people who you trust. And that happens anytime you're in a hiring position. People you like and people you trust. But it's just especially, you know, uh, it's worse in the NFL because of the owners. Because of the owners. They all are very similar. So <laughs> the hires that they make no. are going to be very And we don't, we, we, we're talking about coaches. We haven't even talked about the GMs. We're yep. we just talking about coaches. Bro, like that that shows you that, that that in the NFL winning can't be the bottom line because if winning was the bottom line, you would be hiring the best available candidate, whether they're white, black, Asian Pacific, whatever. Because yep. yep. coaches don't care about that. Steve Wilkes, Steve Wilkes got fired after one year in Arizona. Cliff Kings got fired for Cliff Kingsbury, who has as of right now under five hundred record as a head coach. What did he Matt do? So good. At Texas Tech, other than coming fifth place in one of the worst Power Five conferences there is, you know they they kind of between them and the Pac twelve they kind of. But what did he do? 
at Texas Tech. I don't know what clip. I don't know. It's not. It's not what he did. At, it's not what he did at Texas Tech. It's what he did with Johnny Manziel when he was OC that one year at Texas A and M. And they still didn't win the SEC West. Mm-mm. My point. My point. So moving right along from the the NFL, right? Kind of want to um, jump into this. Uh, what can I say? How can I say this? Um, I remember as a kid, I used to watch the Jetsons, and I thought the future by now, this is 2022, we'd be in flying cars. But the closest thing we got to it is um, electrical vehicles, Tesla, and now you have Rivian. I think that's how I'm pronouncing the name right. They they actually got the truck of the year. They've only made like a thousand vehicles, but the electrical vehicle, the EV, are you guys buying into it? Hell yeah! I was so close to buying. I went to, uh I was in Nashville before I traded in my Beamer. I wanted one so bad. I was like, I wonder if they. I was like, what if I never go back to the dealership? Would they know? And the lady was like, Yeah, you don't need to leave your keys. We'll just start the vehicle if you don't come back. <laughs> so I'm like, so I'm like, yeah. But yeah, Rivian. If you're in the stocks, go ahead and invest. Cause I'm telling you, go ahead and invest in. So I, this is news to me. This is it Rivian? Is that what you said? Yep. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not up on Rivian. Um, but as far as electric vehicles are concerned, I'm yeah. I'm all. I'm all. I'm all in. Uh, my my. I don't really have a question on you know like would I drive an electric vehicle or you know or you know why would I? My question is why would we not? I guess that's 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 the question for me, and it lands on. From my perspective, it lands on just because this is the way things have always been done. That's why people drive uh, gas-powered vehicles, because they've always driven gas-powered vehicles. I have one right now. But um, moving forward, I'm, I would be all uh, Yeah, I, Tesla, Rivian, whatever it is, like, I'm all for it. Yeah, my whole thing is, now, I think that the argument is being made that the uh, the gas, the electrical vehicles are leaving. They're doing just as much damage to the, to the, um, to the earth as the gas-powered vehicles. Probably even at a faster rate because of the batteries. Uh, they have to mine that lithium. Yep. So, and one thing I would tell you, listeners out there, I'm not a banker or stock market person, but I would look into some lithium-based corporations and probably invest in them. Uh, especially the Americans, because we have a huge th- supply of it. But because of the lithium and then like having to dispose of the batteries and whatnot, um, that's been the the argument. And the reason why I still want to challenge you with the Hemi, this might be the last year that you can um, buy that V8 Hemi because the Peter Geeks and the tree huggers say uh, it's bad for the earth. I don't know. You got some more? <laughs> What's your thoughts on that one? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to say what's good and bad for the earth. I'm not going to get into the environmental you know, side of it. I, I think using an electric vehicle, for me, it just seemed like it would be easier. Like, <laughs> take, take the, the environmental aspect away from it. Just charging your vehicle and driving it just seemed like it would be easier. And the maintenance, from what I hear, the maintenance, um, 
is is less because you don't have all of these, you know, the motor and all of these parts to, to worry about. So, I mean, for me, it just seemed like a no brainer. Now, obviously, some of some of the uh, some of the electric vehicles are kind of expensive, but um, so are the gas powered vehicles. So, yeah, I, I said it's about. I, 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 getting a Tesla before I bought the car that I have right now, it was I was either going to get a, the Model Three or the one I got right now. So, so it made you pick the one you got now. I'll say that. It was it was a lot cheaper, and it's really as far as the one I have right now, it's good on gas. Like the gas mileage is pretty good. So when I'm taking a road trip, I actually don't spend as much money in gas um, as I was with my other with my older car. So. Uh, it it was it get, it'll get me you know thirty plus miles on the highway, and it was a lot cheaper than the Tesla. That's what it came down to. All right. I'm interested. No, we we wait after air off air so you can tell me. I want people stalking the only SEC All American the Grace the the Beard Always Wins podcast. Um, so Deron, you had some um, some topics that you wanted to. Oh wait, before we go there, I think I might go hybrid before I would go electric. That's just me. But Deron, what? You okay, got- that's the- all I'm going to say about EVs is it's just like people talking about with like crypto is like is to decentralize the monetary standard across the world or whatnot. Hey, you got a mine for crypto that's doing a lot of damage to the environment and power energy isn't an infinite source. It has to be created. So either we find, we find, we found new ways to create energy to keep these things powered up or we still I don't think as many coal mining like energy plants anymore or power plants anymore, but still the pollution that they create is still like screwing up the environment. So there's some give and take that's involved in all of it. So with all that said, if you uh the quote uh Manny Fresh, if uh you wanna get the V eight with the bubble eye kit, get that <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say. And this is the last year that you can buy a V a Charger, a Challenger, um, a Durango with a V8 engine from Dodge. That's all I'm saying. So if those are your dream cars, and that's what you want, <laughs> go out, go out there and get it. That's what I tell you. So Deron, you had something um, that you want you want to uh, bring forth. Ooh, I forgot all the topics that I was gonna bring up, but uh, and some uh, WTF news. Uh, did anybody see that uh, story about the woman who said that she was gang raped in a virtual reality? What? what? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wait. So exactly. Let me see. Hold on. Let me I, find the story. I'm gonna read it to you. I, I on, have on, that on, on my bingo card. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, damn. Where is it? What was you playing? But yeah, uh, long story short, she said that she was in a, um, you know, the little virtual reality. You put the goggles on with Oculus. like the little remote control. Oculus, yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, the woman, I, so mo- this mother opens up about being virtually gang raped in the metaverse. Not making fun of rape, just reading the story for y'all. For y'all come after. Me. So this woman reports being groped in virtual reality late last year has come forward to discuss her horrifying experience. Within 60 seconds of joining, I was verbally and sexually harassed by three to four male avatars with male voices, essentially, but virtually gang raped. Uh, gang raped. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but I'm coughing. I ain't laughing, y'all. Uh, 
but virtually gang raped my avatar and took photos as I tried to get away. They yelled, don't pretend you didn't love it and go rub yourself off to the photo. Nina Jane Patel, 43, called in a media post recounting her nightmare. So my question to y'all is, was Thanos right? He missed one. He missed her. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm laughing at this. I'm almost crying. What happened to (laughs) take the goggles off? That's your escape. Hey, some people just don't want to leave it alone. But to to quote uh, the uh, poet Tyler, the creator of uh, Golf Wayne, uh, ha, 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 how the hell is cyberbullying real? Just walk away from the screen, or better yet, just close your eyes. <laughs> so it's just like it's just like the Dave Chappelle joke. It's like Louis C.K. masturbated with while I was on the phone with him, and my whole career has been damaged. You're like you don't know how to hang up the phone. That's 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 truly the craziest thing I, I, I <laughs> heard of that. Uh, but I honestly, I'm I mean, from a just understanding it perspective. I don't know enough about the Oculus and the virtual reality, I guess the metaverse that she was using to 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 say that she's that 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 you know that you should laugh at this, right? Cuz I don't know. In my mind, I, I'm assuming that she was playing a game and there were other people participating and they felt <laughs> like verbally, they verbally attacked her and they said things that, you know, harmful things to her and I Nobody should be subject to any type of treatment that they don't want to be subject to. Correct. But to your point, why couldn't she just, you know, turn it off? I, so I don't know enough about that. Is she, is, can she not do that? I don't know. Like, I mean, all she had to do was take the goggles off. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I got <laughs> another topic that isn't receiving a lot of coverage in the news media. Wait, as, wait, uh, wait, 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 I got a question, I got one question, I got one question, I got one question, I'm trying to save your job, I'm trying to save your job. Oh, great, go. <laughs> How do I mute mud? I need to mute mud, so don't get fired, That's that should be the phrase, of the, that should be the name of the podcast, don't get fired. <laughs> so, let me move on to the different, more serious story, as Molane, aka Tank, wears a Grambling State University Tiger t-shirt. Have y'all heard about this recent number of bomb threats that have been coming across the HBCU? So, like, my girl, her daughter goes to Prairie View. First two days of class, they had to cancel because they received bomb threats. Today, I believe it was uh, it was either today or yesterday, uh, but uh, six more schools, including Howard. I think FAMU was around the first bunch that got uh, bomb threats, and this has been an ongoing thing since the semester started. And, I mean, as you can see, I'm pretty sure people that's gonna listen to this, if they're not like watching like black news channel, they have no like they've never heard of this. So yeah, so like all of these black schools are getting targeted for with bomb threats, and they allegedly have identified six people of interest as of today. But the thing is, I mean, like take for instance, like all y'all been to DC, right? Yeah. Right. So if you've been uptown, so you've been to if you've been northeast uptown, you've been to the Howard. Howard is in the middle of the community. There's no, it's not like Benedict when you go to Columbia where you have to check in and have an ID and all this stuff. It's an opening welcome like campus. So, I mean, they're gonna have to beef up security. I mean, it's crazy that 2022 you got people out here doing false alarms 
calling them bumpers. But that's the thing. It's such a volatile time period in history. We can't even say that these things are even like prank calls because people yeah. out here trying to whack, whack black people. Yeah, so I saw. I actually saw this uh, story on uh, like ABC News, like the morning, the morning news, like, uh, and um, I didn't know they had the, the persons of interest, but um, but yeah, you got to take that stuff seriously. Like, you can't, you, you know, just making a bomb threat or making a threat uh, back at, back in the day. Maybe you could, you know, brush it off, especially with the climate that we have that we have right now. You got to take no. all of it. Anytime you get something like that, you got to take it seriously. So, um, that's yeah, that's a big story, and there's a lot of schools. I think Albany State was uh, yeah. one of the schools too. Yeah, yep, yeah. It's a. I just want. I don't want to waste any more any time um, echoing the sentiment, but I'm with you guys. Like I saw it, I was like, oh man, gotta beef up security. Gotta beef it up. You gotta stay vigilant. Um, you used to see that um, in Germany. They used to have that stay vigilant, stay aware. Um, they give you all these classes, but I never once thought that I would have to use that here in America. If that, if that makes sense, you know what I mean. I thought we had progressed, but no, nah, it's um, you you, you got to stay aware um, of of your surroundings at all times. What's next, Ron? Uh, I'll take make it light again and take it back to sports. But uh, I don't know if you guys uh, saw a couple of weeks ago, uh, but uh, Brian Kelly, aka my family, new head coach at LSU, uh, made a fool of himself with uh, with a tight end recruit out of the state of Louisiana when he made the little. You say you ever seen the people that take the pictures? And the camera just goes around and it'll stop and go in slow motion. Oh, uh, yeah, like 360. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so apparently he took a... I don't know if he was doing a two fingers across the eyes thing or he was like... He had caught an episode of BET Uncut and he took two fingers across the nose and tried to do that what that thing smelled like uh, video. But, uh, yeah, uh, he did all of that for that recruit to commit to Alabama today. So with, the, with all that being said... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my that was my expression when I saw it too. I guess he won't. Um, with, that being, with all that being said, um, actually, yeah, y'all both got recruited. Statue, not not statue of limitations have been lifted. It's been more than seven years. We old, we up there. What was the wildest thing that you have heard, or the wildest thing that you a uh, coach did? Uh, to try to get you to commit to a school or you heard from a, a teammate that got them to commit to a school or an opponent to go uh, commit to a school. I go first. Because the wildest thing, the, the wildest thing I ever heard was a certain DB from Florida State uh, that committed to Florida, uh, the University of Southern Florida when, uh, what's my man name? Jim Levitt was head coach, offered, said that if he committed to go there, uh, and it, none of his siblings would ever have to worry about paying tuition if they came to University of Southern Florida or University of South Florida. Well, yeah, I, could, well, I, I wasn't I wasn't that a highly coveted recruit coming out of high school. I did try to find out what the Garden and Gold girls was doing. That's something I did try to. <laughs> uh, they told they told me and CJ to come to a party. It stormed though, like it stormed. Uh, but I was trying to, I don't know about CJ, but I was trying to go say, hey, what is this like? Let's see. Yeah, I was going to, I would have, 
If I would, I got a feeling if I would have went, I would have been able to uh, give you guys a Sebastian Janikowski uh, drinking store. But um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't. That's far as I know. Uh, I don't care if, it, if if I was you. I don't care if it was raining. It was gonna be some nice uh, light precipitation going on in somebody's room. So <laughs> he said some light precipitation. <laughs> <laughs> what you got, Mo? Um, so uh, back to the, the recruit, the Brian Kelly recruit. I didn't know. Um, I didn't know that kid signed with Alabama. <laughs> yep. But I did see it. It makes sense though because I saw a uh, article today. I was reading an article and there was a quote from Nick Saban. They asked him about dancing like Brian Kelly, and he said, "No, he didn't. Uh, he didn't dance like Brian Kelly, but he's done some line dances like the Cupid Shuffle." And so I was yeah. like, uh, "That's an odd quote from Nick Saban, but now it makes sense." Um, now, as far as the uh, the recruiting stories and stuff like that, uh, I will go on record and say that my uh, senior year in um, at Kentucky, we were on probation we were not eligible to go to a bowl game uh even though we won enough games we weren't eligible to go to a bowl a bowl game because of um uh improper benefits and recruiting violations so even though it's been a long time i i refuse to <laughs> speculate comment or talk about any recruiting violations and i would speak only for me and I did not receive any benefits or anything illegal, and that's it. Slip up. Since, since we know that school across state uh, don't mind breaking rules, I know you got something about a Louisville player. Got to be something. Oh, Michael Bush did something. Now, now at Louisville, they, they they operate a little differently over there, as you know. Uh, it's been documented. Um, the basketball team, uh, Rick Pitino, and escorts and. Um, basically providing players with whatever they wanted. So you can let your imagination run wild and, you know, you can, you can think of whatever you can think of. They, they, they gave them, they broke the rules and they got punished for it. So, but for, as far as what happened, what was happening when I was in school at Kentucky, I, I don't know of anything and I wasn't a part of anything. So I can't comment on that. You don't know no NATO. You don't know nothing about NATO. <laughs> Not All right. Uh, Let's see. Um, next topic. I'm keeping I'm keeping it sports. Uh, do you feel that the new kids on the block in the NBA have no respect for the self-proclaimed Kane? So it was a story came out on the Athletic uh, when uh, remember LeBron got into it with a couple of Memphis uh, Grizzly players about a couple of weeks back. Yeah. So John gets uh, two fast break dunks and on a third turnover. Uh, LeBron is running down the court. Desmond Bain pulls up for a three-pointer, knocks down the three. Lakers call, vocal calls a timeout. Uh, Bain gets in LeBron's face and says, those footsteps don't scare nobody. Well. Kill shot quote. Let me just say and I believe it because these kids don't respect nothing <laughs> right now. I probably sound like my dad. <laughs> right? I know I do. I know I sound like my daddy. Um, but look, this generation is, they don't really care too much about history. You know, they know about it, but they don't care too much for it. And they quit to call you old. They quit to call you washed. And somebody was in the eighth grade playing 2K, um, looking at LeBron James saying, 
yeah, I can't wait till I can do this to him in real life. And LeBron James, has, he, here's the thing. He stuck around long enough um, to where he slowed down. Injuries done caught up to him to where he's, he's an old dude in the club. Man. Yeah. Yep. He's an old dude in the club. <laughs> what you got, Mo? Yep. I don't see a problem with it, to be honest with you. Um, now, I think as a, you know, my, my birthday's tomorrow, so I'll be 42 tomorrow. So I, I get well, being the living alone out here in these streets. Appreciate, appreciate that. I get being the older guy, you know, around the young guys. But th- there's a reason I'm not playing pickup basketball with 19-year-olds in the park anymore. You know what I'm saying? For, for, for me, I, I can't do that. LeBron has the skill set, and he's... Arguably one of the best players of all time, the way he can still play with these kids right now today. Unfortunately, this is in 1996, and nobody respects you like people used to respect Charles Oakley because kids are just built different these days. So, if you got the skill and the talent to be on that court, LeBron, you got to take what you got to take what these kids giving you. And it's the same way that, uh, like, when people were complaining about Cam Newton end zone celebrations, and he was like, "You know what? Keep me from getting in the end zone." So LeBron, if you don't want you don't want to hear that trash talk, then you got to play at the dominant level to where you earn the respect. And people didn't talk trash to you. He's not the same LeBron he used to be. So I don't have a problem with it. And you know what? But at the same time, I don't think LeBron even cares. I don't even think it bothers him. I think he kind of expects it. I think it probably motivates him more than anything. So you're probably right. You're probably right. Now KD, on the other hand, I don't know. He care. He care about he care. everybody. He don't be on the wrong way. We might have to keep KD like we uh, do James Prince. Because <laughs> shots get fired. Who? Who? Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Next topic. Uh, back to the serious thing. Uh, so, uh, Justice Stephen Breyer said that he was going to retire as a Supreme Court justice. And Republicans are up in arms that Joe Biden has said that he's going to here it is. Here it is, millennials. He's going to actually keep a campaign promise, and he said that he will nominate an African American woman. One easy question: Is it uh, is it way past time that an African American woman have representation on the Supreme Court? And two, what do you got to say to people that are calling this an affirmative action hire? I think uh, 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 representative out of Louisiana says something to the effect of they don't want somebody who's going to be trying to change the court and uh, rewrite rewrite the uh, Constitution to be woke on every Thursday during the uh, Supreme Court session. So, you know, it won't be long before the watermelon and chicken jokes come flying out soon. So. Yeah. Uh, it's the world we live in, man. First of, all right, so I'm, I'm going to be 30 seconds or less trying to get my point, my point across. So, A... It's about time. Um, I don't think we'll really have any justice until the Supreme Court re- reflects what this country is. Two, um, look, Trump put whoever, every president puts in a Supreme Court justice. Every every president does. And every and there's always backlash from the other side. And then three, and tell me how y'all think about this. I think it shouldn't be for life. I think they need to have an age limit Hey, you're too old. Step aside. What do y'all think about that? Um, so I agree. Long overdue. It's my time for it to happen. Just, it just. I mean, to your point, 
the Supreme Court should reflect the United States of America. So that's a simple, for me, that's, that's, that's easy. Um, so I, I do see where people gave him a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of criticism for saying that he was, he was going to appoint a black woman. Um, but you got to look at it like this too. He's not the first person to do that. Like, uh, I think, um, it might've been Ronald Reagan said he was going to appoint a woman. Right. Senator Bill O'Connor back in 1980. Yep. Is that OK? Good. There you go. Yeah. So, you know, he's not the first person to, to come out and say what he was going to do. But me personally, personally, I would like for it to be done versus said, because I think when you say it like that, when you when you say it like that, I think to use a to use a present day term, it's kind of like clout chasing. When you come out and you just say, oh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to appoint a black woman. You're doing that for the crowd. I would prefer for you to just do it. You know what I mean? And just let it be done and let the action speak for itself. But either way, um, it's time. And uh what was your what was your uh, your question on your last point? Um should that be a, a age limit? Cause these these justices, they get in there till they die. It's a for life. They uh, but yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 not I'm not cool on any life appointment for anything. Like nobody should be doing anything until they die. Like I, 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 yeah, I'm, I, obviously that 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 does not make sense to me. Like, yeah, it's it's a there's a reason why the world changes. Like, there's a reason why technology changes and ideology changes and people's habits change. Like, if you were doing something when you were fifty and now you're ninety, and I expect you to still be doing, like, come on, come. On. Yeah, I guess I would be the contrarian in this one. I actually don't believe that there should be age limits in the in the Supreme Court, at least, because um, I mean it's the it's the difference between having an Amy Coney Comey Barrett, who was the woman that they pushed in when Trump said that he was going to nominate a woman to take the seat when RBG died, versus like it's it's like how I explained it uh, in a class that I had about uh, the legislative branch. Everybody was saying that, hey, all the elections need to be aligned and uh, you can only serve you can only serve like two uh, two terms. So what that means is, all right, so a senator comes in and serves 12 years, then they all switch out. Like some things, some people need to stick around because they know how the system works. It's like the old Paul Mooney joke. Like my grandma don't want an old bro- don't want a new broom because the old broom don't wear all the dirt hiding. Like so you got to have something like that in place. So the Supreme Court is like the only one that I would say would need to have what technically wouldn't need an age limit because they're totally separate from like they don't they're not uh in both, they're not beholden to anyone because they don't have a constituency besides the entire American public because they're not elected. So their their only focus is on the law and the law rarely ever, ever changes as far as like interpretation of the constitution the, the interpretation only changes when the person switches out. So, so what about twenty years, right? Can, can we just make, maybe not an age limit, but just a a, a long term twenty years? Is that is that good? Just a count. I mean, if we if if like you have like these um you have like these fundamentalists who believe that the uh, the Constitution is not to be interpreted. The founders, quote unquote, founders, the way they read it, uh, wrote it was the way that it was meant to be interpreted. So if that's the case, then Thomas Jefferson has said that the Constitution should be rewritten every generation, so every 20 years. So why aren't we doing that? Because... But I wouldn't do 20 years. I, I, w- I would just make it a... I, wouldn't, I would just keep it at a lifetime appointment. 
But once you pass a certain age threshold, you will have to take some psych on some psychiatric to maintain your seat. Yeah, and that's my that's my concern with the with the, the lifetime. Like you don't want to get into age discrimination. Like I don't want to put an age cap on it and say you can't do it at a right. certain age, right? But maybe maybe just a longer term, right? So I don't know. It's like a driver's license. Like you don't want to say that you know. Uh, yes, you do. Sometimes you do. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't want to like, say that. Come on, come on. But when you're, you know, I feel like when, maybe when your uh, license expires, you should have to take the driving test again or something. I don't yeah. know. Like, trust me, it's some things old people should not be doing. Um, nah, I don't, we don't, we don't want to discriminate. We, we don't want to discriminate. Man. We just, but it's some things now. I, I'm just keeping hey, it real. Hey, to be honest with you, hey, dog, to keep it honest with you, we at that age now where if we don't get a job, we could sue for age discrimination. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we, we got. Uh, it, it goes some quick hitter. It goes some quick hitter. Okay. Uh, new Batman over. movie. Who who besides me is psyched for this new Batman movie? I will I will be risking COVID to go be a first night viewing of the new Batman movie. I'm gonna. That's go all it. you, bro. That's I, all you. I'm gonna go see it. I'm gonna go see it. Uh, speaking of uh, Disney and uh, car- um, not cartoons, but uh, comic book movies and stuff like that. Uh, has anybody watched the uh, Boba Fett series on Disney Plus? Yep, I have. One word. One word description. Lackluster. I will second that and say garbage. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. That's, that's yeah. what I'm uh, let's see what else we got here. Jim Harbaugh said that he's coming back to Michigan to be a coach, which is wild considering this man did the interview on signing day, which is crazy to me because I don't think anybody would be able to get away with that. Uh, what else do I got? Uh, what you got, Mo? The Washington uh, football team announced their, their name. Just they, they, they got a new oh, name yeah. now. They're the Washington Commanders. That is the worst yeah. uh, name in the history of worst names for a football team that is not on NFL Blitz or not in the Arena Football League, not in the Canadian Football League, that's not in um, just the Boys Club, Pineville, um, the Parks and Rec. That is the worst name in the history of names. And yeah, that's just how I feel about it. I like the Redskins better. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know Mon, the Redskins. Mon, you say all that. You say all that, but their name was the Redskins. It's racist. I know it's racist, but I can, I'm sorry. Like it just, yeah. I, I I don't like it. I just don't like it. I mean, it ain't the Rancho Cucamonga. I mean, it ain't the Rancho Cucamonga Cracker Killers, but it's still up there. It's nickname. It's up there. So, I mean, so I don't I don't I don't like the name, but mine. They came from. Redskins, right? I mean, come on, bro. We, 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 it's better than that. Okay, it's just as bad. It's just as bad as Redskins. I'm sorry. Um, I, I would, I, I was hoping they went with the Red Tails. That's what I was hoping for. But you know, that's too much like right. So uh, we got to wrap this up, uh, man. I, time just flies. To be honest with you. But um, with that being said, I forgot. But I remember now. Nicholas and Candles. Uh, not too late get your orders placed uh, you can find it on instagram also it's the zen for me uh luxury bars and soap um nicholas in the candle the cracker is you on to something good it's the zen for me organic 
bath bomb soaps and all of that stuff. Um, and yeah, it's the beard always wins. Movement, lifestyle, podcast, go dogs. How about them Vikings and um, the Commanders? Let's go commies. Let's go commies. Yeah. That's what we're going to hear. You know that fan coming. It's coming. It's coming. Peace.